Good morning, and welcome to Obreeders Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, the forward, in the forward, and we are at page XVII, paragraph two. Today's readers are Charles H., Renata G., and Terry H. The reference number for Tuesday, September 29th, is 8031. That's 8031. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jody E. to read the 12 steps. Thank you so much. Good morning. This is Jody E. in California, recovering from bulimia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Jody. I will now ask Rachel and M to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Rachel and M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive eater and anorexic. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Rachel. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive of readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XVII, paragraph two. I will ask Charles H. to begin reading. He will read two paragraphs, and we will focus our comments on the second paragraph. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Amy. Um, Can you hear me? Yes, I'm Katie. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Katie. I mean, you know, good morning. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Charles is a recovered visionary just for today. Thank you for the service. Thank you, God, for waking me up. Um, A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, they were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic idea in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholics. It was now time, the struggling group's thoughts, 
to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership has then reached about 100 men and women. The fledging society, which have been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. Uh, my name is Charles H. I'm a recovered visionary just for today. I wanna I wanna um I wanna drill down here where it says um it was now time the struggling group starts to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore bore fruit. So I asked myself this question. I'm not even going to ask y'all because I'm enough. I'm enough. <laughs> I need to, you know, am I willing to bear, bear fruit today? Not not saying that, um, am I willing to plant seeds? Because you know what? I can't control uh, whether food is going to be bored from a tree. But am I willing to plant the seeds every day? Now, if I plant the seed, you know, God takes care of, you know, the watering the, 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 the weather situation, whether that tree uh, turns into a, 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 a tree of thorns or a tree that bears fruit. But I need to be willing, right, every day to till the soil. I need to be willing to put it, you know, I need to be willing to carry my experience, strength, and hope. Not, not my opinion. You know, I need to be willing to carry the message that's in this book, the solution, the prescription, the only, the, there is a solution. Not Charles' solution. I don't got no solution. My You know, I'm in Dunkin' Donuts talking to y'all, and I had my breakfast already. That's a miracle. That's my experience today. It wasn't like that yesterday. When I say yesterday, I mean before program. So the question I'm going to pose to, to, to you guys and myself, am I willing to continue to bear food? Or plant seeds. Am I willing to plant seeds, Charles H? And I say yes to that. And with that, I pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Well, thank you, Charles. Who would like to uh, comment this morning on this second paragraph? Reva P. This is Larry. Okay. Yes, Larry sir. I. Okay. Anyone else? Julie R. Okay, Reva P, Larry K, Nessa R, and Julia R. Thank you. Go ahead, please. Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, what struck me this morning is about uh, their message and unique experience. Um, you know, yesterday was a day where I was personally struggling emotionally, um, but there is a message, um, and the message is the 12 steps. Um, so thank you, God. You know, I did my uh, step work yesterday, and unique experience um, reminds me, I, I had a lot of um, professional input before I came to program, and it never, it never clicked um, because those people never had that experience um, and this paragraph also reminds me the unique experience is not just knowing what my problem is, the twofold nature of my illness, but the unique experience is experiencing um, working through the steps and recovering. 
um, and being in a solution. Um, and I'm just so grateful um, that there is a clear message of how to do this, and it's based on experience uh, and one compulsive overeater sharing with another um, because the people I uh, shared with yesterday, would ne- it would never, ever be the same um, talking to a professional, although sometimes outside help is appropriate. So I'm just so grateful. You know, it was now time. It's time, um, which also reminds me that we need to keep carrying the message. It's time to give it away. Uh, once we get the message and we have the experience, um, we keep it by uh, carrying it to others. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Reva. And Larry Kay, you're up. Thank you. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, I'll just I'll speak about uh, the flying blind period had ended. You know, these the, these people were recovering, and and you know, it reminds me that you know, information is is you know, it's certainly empowering. Um, it's extraordinarily life changing. You know, and this this was the case for me. But you know, it's nothing if we remain unwilling to act upon it. You know, if if I if I come to this meeting every morning and I'm right on time, you know, 6 a.m. Central, you know, and I, you know, I just come here to, you know, to listen to, uh, you know, to to wait to to get inspired. Um, yes, I might get inspired, but if I if I don't act upon this information, and I didn't for a long time, uh, in going to meetings years ago, uh, first five years of program, I didn't act upon it. But I'll be forever grateful that that some of these early pioneers were inclined to to do what they took these actions, these suggestions. They had an experience. They had a, a fundamental change in their lives, and then they carried the message to others. You know, sometimes I've wondered. You know, you know why why is a meeting like this one you know so attractive to people like us? And I, and I think I think why it is 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 because there are people, you know, you can hear, I, I hear in your voices, I, I hear recovery. And, and that's what's attractive to me. And, um, and so, you know, when I come here, um, I don't come anymore to get inspired to get out of the food. You know, thank God. Um, I come here now, you know, to carry a message and to be a part of a beautiful fellowship and to stay on the beam of recovery. Absolutely, but it's not a struggle anymore. And that's only because I'm nothing special. I, I'm really not, I, I'm nothing special. What, what I am is just another person that became willing to take the actions, the suggestions, just like these early pioneers, and something happened to me. And I changed. And I continue to change for the better. And now, you know, it's my obligation to carry the message to other people. And whether they, you know, whether they take it or not, I, I stay on the beam of recovery. And I'm, you know, we're, we're loving, we're here, you know, but, but willingness is an inside job, just as it was for the pioneers in the 1930s and 40s and 50s. And here we are now, you know, we, we have to take, no one will take the action for you. Anyways, um, I am so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. And Nessa R., your turn. 
Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., um, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I, um, I also would like to share on the uh, concept of unique experience because um, as addicts, we have the unique experience that only addicts have and therefore we can understand um, each other and our struggles. But as recovered compulsive overeaters, we have a unique experience that unfortunately not every addict has, which is that of, of recovery. And I've shared before, um, I think probably the key message in um, the forewords, all of the forewords, is that this program of recovery outlined in this book works. And that's why the program has, uh, the, the, the method, the, the book has grown and expanded so quickly uh, all over the place, all over the world, so many languages. And I was talking to a dear friend in program recently, and she says, you know, yeah, that's it, but you always share how you struggled for nine years in the room. So what kind of message are you delivering? I mean, does this work or does this not work? And, you know, does a newcomer that comes in and hears this, do they, do they think, oh, do I have to struggle for nine years before I get it? And, you know, and the answer to that is a categorical no. You can get it right away. The reason I struggled for nine years is because I had no access to this unique experience of recovery as outlined in the big book. Uh, I didn't even go near uh, the instructions in the big book. But anybody who comes in today and willingly embraces the unique experience of recovery, uh, the unique experience um, of recovery outlined in the big book and follows its, its, its um, instructions precisely, can and will recover without having to struggle um, one minute longer. Um, all that is required is pick up this book, get a guide, and follow the, the directions, and there is no need to struggle anymore because what's in this book really, really works. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. And Julie R., you're up. Hi. Thank you, Katie. This is Julie R., uh, recovered compulsive over here in, in California. <clears throat> I want to focus on the same two uh, words a lot of people already have, is place their message and unique experience before the world. You know, I mean, for me, what is the message? You know, it was that message of hope that I didn't have to live like that anymore. I didn't have to weigh 300 pounds. I didn't have to be consumed with food. I didn't have to be dishonest, be manipulative. And um, the unique experience, well, that's, that's that spiritual experience, that awakening that we get to see in people and hear, you know, not just a dry drunk, not just somebody who's lost weight and thin and abstinent, but crazy. It's that unique experience of being recovered, having that solution. And, and those two things mean the world to me. Because I could have gotten a food plan. I could have went on a diet a hundred more times than I already have. But to see people that are walking their talk, not only being at a healthy body weight, but living sanely. And that, that's, that's what their message was and their unique experience. You know, they cleaned up their past. I mean, these were low-bottom drunks who had a lot of cleanup to do, and they did, and they were productive and, you know, members of society, et cetera. And, and that's, what, that's what that hope, that message is. It's hope. 
what can I do to that next suffering compulsive overeater? Yeah, sure, show them the weight loss, but show them how I reunited with my husband, how I'm not this person that I used to be, that I'm caring and giving. That is the hope. That is the message. So I am so glad to be here and uh, be part of Overeaters Anonymous because, yeah, it saved my life. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. And who else would like to share on this? Um, Rick Jill. Jay. Jill T. Vasa O. Okay, I have um, Rick. Tom I think it's Tom M at the end here. Okay. I have Rick K, Jill T, Vasa O, Lois M, Bella G, and Tom M. We'll go with Melissa C. I she didn't get me. Hi. Okay, and Melissa C. Okay. okay, that's thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Uh Rick K. Hi, this We can't hear you, Rick. Um, can we go on to Jill T and we'll come back to Rick if he resurfaces? Sure. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, Jill T from Pittsburgh. Thank as Charles, yeah, as Charles was speaking, what I heard from myself is that um, right now I'm very new to program uh, to this program, the Big Book. But my weight loss is beginning to show, and people are beginning to ask, "What are you doing?" I'm getting a little nervous. One woman, I did tell her, I said, "I'm working with a spiritual coach who is helping me see that my higher power needs to be in charge of my eating." But also the idea, and so I've been real nervous. What do I tell people? What do I tell people? And then it dawned on me, I'm carrying a product. I am, I am the, um, the product, if you will, of a higher power doing his work here on earth through me. And so I like that um, it was able to help me see and clarify that um, I don't have to tell them about me. I just have to tell them about my higher power in a way that is palatable, but not completely palatable. Because if I water anything down to make it easier for them to hear, then they're going to lose the message and I'm not bringing it full strength and full force like I know I needed it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. And do we have... Um, Okay, yeah, sure. you, thank you. We couldn't yeah, hear you. Yeah, I apologize. I uh, muted myself <laughs> inadvertently. Okay. So, no so problem. this is great. This is Rick K, a compulsive overeater from Miami, calling in, and and I love this stuff. Um, and I was thinking about really the same line that a lot of people have been have been reviewing about um, carrying the unique uh, experience and message through this book. And uh, and really, it was it's just incredible because it was their experience up to that point, and and I think the main point of the experience was that that uh, people with this disease can relate to each other, as opposed to and identify with each other, as opposed to being told what the problem is, 
by some other people. Uh, for instance, Bill Wilson like took off to the Bowery to try to do 12-step work, and he was essentially evangelizing that he had a solution, um, and it wasn't working. And he so he spoke to Dr. Silkworth about it, and Silkworth said, "Well, why don't you talk about the solution? Why don't you talk about the medical medical aspect? Uh, why don't you talk about you know your own experience as opposed to telling people how to do it?" Um, and you know before that time. It, it, the story is that, like, the bums would scatter as soon as they saw him coming because they, oh, here we go again. This guy's going to tell us what the deal is. Um, so they developed that experience instead of evangelizing, instead of directing people what they had to do, um, share our experience, strength, and hope. Share the solution. Share how it's worked for us. Share the medical aspect of it. Share Dr. Silkworth's um, stuff. And, that, and that, that's really a beautiful thing. I love it, and it just amazes me that, that really over a period of a few short years, um, they could come up with this book, and, and really which was written by Bill Wilson and reviewed by others, and, and, and have it till today so exacting and so incredible and so in, divinely inspired, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick, and Vasa O, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from Massachusetts. And the membership had been reached about 100 men and women. And I remember hearing the good news, finally. How did these people reach? How did they do it? How did they do it? So, uh, again, after struggling with the food addiction for many, many years, and coming in, this was my last hope. I had lost hope. I was hopeless. I couldn't do it anymore. And this was my last hope, you know, coming to Overeaters Anonymous and the big book, you know. And just to hear the, the identifying with the allergy, following the mental so obsession with the food, it was just, I don't know, really excited, but I was also grieving. Oh, my God, you know, I'm not going to have certain foods. I mean, they had to be out of my body forever. How am I going to do this? How am I going to survive this for the rest of my life? And I heard, no, this is only one day at a time, one meal at a time. And then, you know, it has been years and years, you know. But that was the beginning, just putting the food down. And if I did not continue coming and, you know, doing, you know, the big book, the 12 steps, you know, that was my goal. I was just going to lose my weight, and I was just going to leave happy and joyful. And thank you, God, I stayed in the program, and I listened, and I worked the steps the way they were laid out. Because, I, I mean, I remember going on my diet. I would lose the weight for a while, and I'd be happy, but I always, always felt, oh, now I can deserve. I deserve to have one of, one of these things, you know. And that got me into a big, huge relapse. And the solution is really here. If I work the steps the way they're laid out and give it away, that's the key. Give it away to others that are still suffering. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. And now we have Lois M. Followed by Bella G. Katie, that was not me in the lineup. Thank you, anyway. 
Okay, maybe that was Melissa C., but we'll just go ahead with um, Bella G., then Tom M., and Melissa C. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line, to place their message and unique experience. Wow, it's such a wonderful, powerful sentence. Yes, what is the message? The message is that it's a we program. It's we are here all together. It's not a program of a teacher-student basis relationship. It's not like a doctor-therapist and patient relationship. It's a we program. We are all the same. We are all human. Yes, and we are all with character defects. We are not perfect. We are all the same that we can teach and learn at the same time. Yes, we can teach and learn from our unique experience. Yes, we are all the same, but we have our own special personality. And we can learn and teach from our unique experience because we are not perfect. Yes, we are not perfect. And I am limited. I don't know everything all the time. And I can learn from your experience, and I can give you ideas from my own experience. It's a we program. I don't have to be isolated anymore. And I don't want to please nobody. I am not a people pleaser anymore. Today I accept myself that, yes, I am human. I am not perfect, and today I can share my experience and I can share my recovery because today I am connected to a loving and acceptance power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella, and now we will have Tom M. Yes, good morning. This is Tom M. from New Jersey, and I'm a grateful recovered sugarholic. And as I read this here, it talks about the uh, thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. Um, yesterday, I had an experience where one of my uh, uh, oh face-to-face OA members came to my office, and she was like really distressed, and um, she was concerned about all the challenges that are going on in the world, and I could tell that she was just really, really out of it. And uh, and thank God she was, you know, God led her to come to the office and we, we talked. And I was able to share with her um, some reading on page 87. Um, we talked about going through the day we pause uh, when we get agitated, you know, doubtful. And we ask for the right thought or action. And, and then we remind ourselves that we're no longer um, running the show. And just at that point, you know, really humbly um, start saying to ourselves, that will be done. And, you know, if not, then we we wind up uh, burning up a lot of energy foolishly. And so I know for me, uh, prior to coming to Vision for You, I would have never been able to uh, share that kind of information with, with someone. And it's just a blessing to be able to have a spiritual 
solution and a message that you can share with someone that would actually uplift that person. And, um, you know, I'm grateful also that we are uh, kind of put it out there about five, six months ago that I wanted to uh, come up with a OA face-to-face group in my in my in my town where I practice, and uh, Monday night coming up, uh, October the fifth, we'll be actually having our first uh, um, OA face-to-face big book study, um, and uh, and it's just been a blessing to be able to share this message with so many other people. Uh, you know, telling other people about coming on to the vision for you and. Um, really just helping to save lives through through the message of the big book. So I'm just really grateful for having this um, this message. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tom. And Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, carry the message through my... Uh, unique experience and you know so I'm thinking well first of all what is my message my message is that there's hope that there's recovery and um, you know and I smile when I think about the unique experience because you know my um, uniqueness um, was um, my isolation you know I thought I was so I was so different and so I would um, I would think about my experience, my unique experience as, um, you know, as poor me. And and the message that I once had was, um, cut me a break, cut me some slack, I should have my way, poor me. You know, you don't know what I went through. And what a complete turnaround this has done for me, you know, with acceptance, um, you know, and a mature vision of my higher power, um, you know, my experience are, they're the most beautiful thing I have. You know, even the ugly things, even the loss, even the pain, humiliation, all of it. Why? Because now I have something of use. You know, it all makes sense. And, and you know, I love, um, and it makes me think about, you know, where that we won't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. That's my unique experience. My unique experience um, is nothing to be ashamed of. It's it's what makes me useful to another person. And so, you know, what draws me in always to the fellowship is when somebody is sharing their unique story, and undoubtedly it sounds just like mine. And you know, and there's always a chuckle, you know, from me or in the room when I hear someone tell, you know, something that's so bleak and so awful and um, and yet I did it too, or yet I've been there too. And, um, you know, it just all seems to make perfect sense. So I can't look back at anything. I can't say, oh, I wish I had gotten this sooner. Why didn't I get the message sooner? I didn't. You know, that's my message. I didn't. I went through everything I went through so that I can be of better use to other people. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. And I am now going to ask Renata G. to move on to the next paragraph. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composer Reader in New York. With the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Harry Emerson 
Fosdick, the noted clergyman, reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Osler, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God. This brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to these prospective newcomers. New groups started up, and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well by word of mouth. By the end of 1939, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. And, um, you know, so, you know, Dr. Bob and Bill W., right, like we saw in a paragraph before, they realized that they, you know, might have found a solution for alcoholism, something that was unheard of. And, you know, they started debating, like, what's the best way to, to spread the news, the good news, right? Um, and, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. They thought of, you know, building hospitals for alcoholics and then taking them through, through the steps. And they thought of, you know, traveling around the world and carrying the message. But, you know, someone suggested, well, why don't we publish a book? Because the Oxford group, they were very successful with their book. And that's what they did. And so this book started going around, you know, the country. And, you know, like we also seen before, the big book has specific instructions on how to recover from alcoholism. In our case, you know, how to recover from compulsive eating. And so, you know, it says here, AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well by, by word of mouth. And, you know, about 800 alcoholics by the end of that year were, you know, on their way to recovery because people were getting this book following the exact directions contained in the book, and they were recovering. They were being made free of alcoholism. And so, you know, it's really proven that it works. I mean, back then, they didn't have all the technology we have today. Like today, you know, thank God, like we, we have the luxury of having sponsors, people that have been through this process before us, and they can share their own unique experience with us and guide us quicker through the steps in this book. Uh, but, you know, this is a set of instructions. Anyone can follow them. You know, like the book says, if we're honest enough, we can, you know, work the steps and recover. And that's what was happening back then. With that, I pass. Thanks. Hi, it's Naomi B. Could I share? Okay, yes. Just wait one moment, Naomi. Okay, okay. thank okay. you for your service. Uh-huh. We have Naomi. Anybody else like to share on the paragraph? Sue B. from Maryland. Amy E. Leah M. Kathy K. Okay. Okay, I have Naomi, Sue B., Amy E., Leah M., and Kathy K. We'll go with that. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Naomi B. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia. I please, I, I beg your indulgence. I didn't get a chance to share on that that previous paragraph. And what came to my mind was so prominent that I'd like to share. 
It was now time that the struggling groups thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. What resonated in my mind when I heard that sentence was, what was vision for you in June of 2012? And I don't glorify vision for you, but I know it's made a huge, huge difference. And the pioneers, you guys started with 50. We're up to near 1,600. When I first entered the room, it's been since February of 2011, um, it was kind of watered down. And my first sponsor nagged and nagged at me because she had heard about Vision for You, and I started to listen. And, And with listening to Vision for You and really hearing the message of the big book turned my life, my recovery, my world upside down. And now I don't take anything from my higher power. He's number one. This is this is number one. But to hear this clear-cut directions so explicitly said morning after morning with all these 1,600 people, this is what we have in our, in our fellowship of my brothers and sisters all in recovery. This is huge. This has made a huge impact on my life that I can carry the word to others because of this, this fledgling group. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I appreciate your time and your patience. And I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Sue B., you're up. Good morning. This is Sue B. calling in from Maryland. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everybody on the line. What uh, really struck me this morning was, um, well, it it started back when Kim G. shared about the uh, alarming numbers of OA meetings that had dropped. And um, and then we have a vision for you that becomes available, and the numbers are growing and growing and growing. And why is that? Because the answers are in the big book. And it, then it struck me that the sentence that says, this is a simple but not easy, a simple program but not easy. If you read the steps, they seem simple. But when you practice, when I started practicing this and the work that it required me to do in writing, in reading, in listening, um, you know, it, it was a lot of work. And I had to have the willingness to do that. And the first was uh, step was to accept the fact that whatever I was doing wasn't working and that I had to be willing to turn my will in my life over to a higher power. And now that I've gone through the steps and have been lucky enough to receive that transformation and try to live it every day, uh, it's time for me to share that, to plant seeds, as Charles said. Um, And I've had sponsors that have started to work with me and then I think, you know, back away when, when they see that, you know, I have certain requirements and, um, and that number one is to study this this big book paragraph by paragraph. Uh, I don't. I didn't recover until I started studying this big book and taking it seriously. And I'm just so amazed at the way the numbers in this meeting have grown. And I'm I'm so looking forward to the convention and meeting everyone there. And I I thank you all for your sharing that it helped uh, give me my transformation. And um, I am volunteering now. I recently volunteered to chair an outreach program in my region intergroup um, uh, because I think that this is so important to just keep keep carrying this message and um, 
you know, not being afraid or embarrassed. We're compulsive readers. We have a disease and we have a message to share. So thank you for, for letting me take a little time to help my recovery. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Sue. Amy E., you're up. And Leah M. Thank you for your service. This is Amy E., recovering in uh, Northwest Ohio. Um, what strikes me about this paragraph is the role of the media in um, transmitting our message and helping us. And the media were really great friends. Of, uh, AA really benefited from a lot of non-alcoholics, from Dr. Emerson Fosdick to um, uh, uh, Jack Alexander, who wrote the article in the Saturday Evening Post, um, who, uh, um, from John D. Rockefeller, who uh, brought together benefactors for AA and then uh, decided that it wasn't a great idea that money would muck this thing up, much to Bill W. Chagrin. And uh, I wonder today what the message would be in the media. You know, are, are, we, are, are we getting our message out there? Are we suggesting articles be written about Overeaters Anonymous? How are, we, how are we getting the message out that way? And if a person were to do an article about OA, would it be favorable? Uh, I mean, again, as, as somebody previously shared, our, our numbers are declining. Um, and there's a lot of warring factions over different diets, quite frankly. And how is that any different than people fighting over whether the paleo diet is healthy for you or Atkins is healthy for you or South Beach works? Uh, we have to unify over this common message of spiritual experience and uh, living by spiritual principles that um, allows us to stay abstinent no matter what food plan we work. Um, that is what unifies us, and that is what will be the strong, compelling message uh, in either face-to-face -face or in a book or printed in a magazine article about overeaters and others. I pass. Thank you, Amy and Leah M. You're up. Thanks so much, Katie. Um, to the astonishment of everyone, that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth. You know, it is very exciting. Um, there was an attraction going on, and that attraction was recovery. Um, because these alcoholics had sought help before, um, but they were always seeking help through superior beings, so to speak. You know, an irate boss, a nagging wife, an intimidating police officer or judge, a priest, minister, or rabbi, um, saying, you know, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to stop drinking. You know, that was not uh, an attractive message. What was happening now is it was one alcoholic to another saying, this is what I did. This was about experience. This was about identification. This was about men and women carrying a message of depth and weight. This was about recovered alcoholics who were properly armed with facts about themselves. This was about um, speaking from one to another, uh, you know, and, in, and winning the entire confidence of another alcoholic. 
And our book says, you know, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. So whether this was um, in 1939 when this book rolled off the press or whether it was in face-to-face meetings and havens that were beginning to sprout up in communities and towns or whether it was through the mail responding to people's inquiries, there was an attraction, there was an electricity, there was a message of hope and possibility going on. These people who had suffered, who never could find a way out of alcohol who were, uh, you know, threatened to be locked up, never to see the light again, you know, they were hearing and seeing and touching a message of hope. And that was the attraction, that you could have this tremendous suffering that was going to be an invitation to transformation. And this authentic spirituality was not going to be just about information. Information doesn't create transformation. This was about an experience, an experience that you and I still have an opportunity for, which is the implementation of these steps in proper sequence to have an experience called a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And that was powerful in 1939, and it's powerful today, September 30th, 2015. And of course, the Library of Congress announced that this book that we study every day was named on its list of the top 100 books that shaped America, books that have influenced the nation. And if this message was attractive then, it's still attractive today. Recovery is the attraction. People like myself who are recovered are merely God's agents, inviting everybody who's still suffering to have this same experience. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah. And Kathy Kay, you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. It's Kathy Kay, recovered from Boston. And uh, I've really appreciated everyone's shares this morning. And just want to add on the sentence, each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. I know my own experience every step of the way uh, was greatly enhanced by one-to-one contact with other compulsive overeaters. And when I got to vision for you, those one-to-one contacts really helped me to understand and appreciate the 12 steps and how they operated in people's lives. I think of our meeting, and I know for myself, I'm actively engaged in um, guiding and sponsoring other compulsive overeaters through the 12 steps. But I I could easily get into a, kind of a comfortable rhythm about working with my sponsees and not really uh, making outreach um, to newcomers who perhaps have not yet connected the way I know I needed to connect in order to really identify in. So for me, this sentence is a reminder um, that we, as we already do, we welcome newcomers, but that we also make concerted efforts to reach out to them. I know we get them to give us our phone numbers. I just am making, uh, reminding myself that even if I'm very involved with all my sponsees, I need to make room 
uh, to reach out to newcomers as well to help them to help them identify you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. And we have time for one more share. Is there someone who wants to share? Ronnie P. Okay, Ronnie P. You're up. Thank you. Um, Thanks, everybody. Ronnie P., recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. Um, what this graph tells me is that these people were heavily into action. And, you know, we have a whole chapter called Into Action. And um, in my years of really active compulsive overeating, um, I was in my head so much of the time. I wasn't into action. Um, into action is where life I don't want to say it's where life gets real because life has always been real, but when we stay in our heads, we sort of stay in this fantasy. Um, you know, I used to always think about one day I will do this, one day I will do that. And, um, you know, I I think we can get into this <clears throat> mental state of postponement. You know, we postpone lots of stuff in life. I will postpone um, leaving this job. I will postpone apologizing to the people I've hurt. I will do, I'll, I'll wait, wait, wait for the right time, the perfect time. Um, basically the time where we can control all conditions so that we will be okay. And, um, you know, what this program does is it gets us out of our head. It gets us back into life, <clears throat> excuse me, back into action. And that's what this paragraph tells me is that they, they were into action. They were really into action. They weren't going to fantasize about how great it would be if more people knew about this. They were not going to be in denial about the impact that this had had on their own lives. And then they felt this calling and this responsibility to share it with others. Um, and so they had to get into action, and that's what we all have to do. You know, we get up in the morning and say, all right, where do I need to be into action today and out of my head? And what has made all the difference for me is that before I thought into action meant I was alone out there without a net and, you know, God help me. Instead now, I just go, I'm never alone. I've, I, in the midst of any moment where I'm anxious, upset, questioning, I can pause. I can just say, okay, God, this is yours. Let me do the right thing. Show me the next step. Give me the right word, the next best thought. And, I'm, I'm then engaged in the world, and I'm not alone. It's that fear of being alone, of really screwing up, of being so terrified, so anxious. And um, there's no need for it, because if God has our back, then all we are are agents of what God wants us to do. And each of us, it's on us to also develop a, a totally personal relationship with God so that the thing I call God is what someone else might call energy. It's what someone else might call Jesus. It's what someone else might call, you know, Yahweh. Whatever it is, <clears throat> excuse me, that bigger power is is with us, in us, and guiding all of it. And um, so these guys got into action and... Their lessons were to show us how to be into action and why we no longer have to fear being in action because we're not alone. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Terry H. please read <clears throat> A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thanks, Katie. Good morning. 
My name is Terry H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.